Ladies and gentlemen, federal employees, today we're talking about how you can get the absolute largest pension as a first federal employee that you possibly can. If you're into that, great, stick around. If you're not, if you're not worried about having enough income in retirement, hey, this is not the video for you, okay? But all, all joking aside, let's dive right in. If you're new here, welcome, great to have you. My name is Dallin Haas. I'm a financial planner who serves federal employees just like you. Make sure you can retire comfortable and confident. So what spurred today's video is actually I was talking with a, a federal employee and he said he had a coworker who was celebrating 55 years of service. Now, that's not 55 years of age. That's 55 years of service. Okay. Can you even believe it? I see, I see a lot of long careers and a lot of, you know, 40 plus year careers, but I've never seen 55 years of service. Just think about how early they would have started and how late they would have had to work to get 55 years. It, it is impressive. That is all I have to say. Now, working an incredibly long career is one of the ways you can get a big pension, but not everyone wants to do that. We're going to talk about today all the ways that you as a federal employee can increase your pension, even if you don't want to work 55 years. Okay. You cool with that? Let's dive in. Now, this is the crux of it. Okay. I put it here in the top left of my screen. Now, if you're on the podcast, I'm actually sharing my screen. I'm going to be showing some numbers. So definitely go check out the YouTube channel if you want to see all that good jazz. But here's the crux. We need to increase. If you want a big pension, we need to increase the things that go into it and decrease the things that come out of it, right? It sounds simple, but let's break it down. Now, if you're not familiar, this is what goes into your pension. Number one, your high three, your high three, okay? Number two, your years of service, years of service. Now, my handwriting is not going to be good, I promise. Okay, that's one thing I can promise. My handwriting is not going to be good. A high three, years of service, and then your multiplier. There is things we can do for all of these things to make them bigger and therefore increase your pension. Now, like we talked about, years of service, um, that lever is not always fun to pull, right? We could always work 55 years. At least most of us probably could if we, if we live that long, right? Um, but the years of service one, is one of those that is harder to pull all the time, especially if you want to be done ASAP. So let's focus on the other ones for now. Let's start with high three, okay? Now, if you don't know already, your high three is the average annual salary you make in the 36 consecutive months that you got paid the most, okay? So what does that mean? That's kind of a lot of, you know, techno babble, but let, let me walk you through that. So let's say for most of you, it's actually relatively simple because it's going to be the last three years of your career, right? Because generally most people get paid the most during the last three years. So whatever your average salary was during the last three years, boom, that's going to be your high three. So for example, let's say um, you're, you're the second, okay, let's say the year before you retire, the second year before you retire and the third year, let's say you made 98,000, 99,000 and 100,000. Well, the average of all that, I, it was a simple, dumb example, but it was 99,000, right? That is how it works in a nutshell. Now, it doesn't have to be perfect calendar year. It doesn't have to be a January through December. It will be, uh, it could be like a June through a June. It doesn't matter. It's just gotta be the 36 consecutive months you got paid the most and the average annual salary during that time, boom, is gonna be your high three. So what on earth can we do to increase that? We all wanna increase our salaries, right? But here's a couple of things to think about. Number one, is sometimes the high paying positions are not a position you want to actually take, right? Sometimes they are, but sometimes they're not. But guess what? 
if you wanted to maximize your high three, guess what? You just have to do it for a little bit, right? Maybe three years every career. Lock in that high three and then go do something else, right? Go do something else. That, that's number one. Also, the things that are included in your high three are your base pay, your basic pay, and locality pay. So basically, the if you work in a very high cost of living area, your locality pay is going to be a lot bigger. So therefore, your high three is going to be a lot bigger. But guess what? Let me Let me paint you a picture. Let's say that during the last three years of your career, or just a, you know, a three years of your career, you chose to work in a high cost of living area and your high three gets bumped up really nice and big. And then you retire to a low cost of living area where your pension just got inflated for the rest of your life because of the three years you spent in a high cost of living area with a high locality, right? That you're gonna enjoy that for the rest of your life. And then you, when you retire to a low cost of living area, Boom, it's just a perfect combination. Now, I know not everyone's gonna move. I get that, but those are the things you can think about when it comes to increasing your high three. Now, let's actually jump to the years of service briefly and talk to it a little bit. Now, the one thing though that can increase your years of service without actually working longer is unused sick leave at retirement. So if you didn't know, any unused sick leave you have at retirement time is going to add into your years of service. Now, there's a chart. If you want to figure out exactly, let's say you have 900 hours or, or 300 hours. If you want to know exactly how much time that is worth to you, then what you want to do is type in sick leave conversion chart into Google and you'll find a chart that shows exactly how it works out. Okay. Long story short, about 2,000 hours of sick leave is going to equal a year of service, okay? So if you have 2,000 hours of unused sick leave come retirement, that would be worth about a year of service to add into your pension, okay? Food for thought. Other than that, there's no other way other than, let's say, buying back military time. If you have military time, definitely go check out my video on buying it back. That can be exceptionally, exceptionally valuable for you um, and is worth it many, many times, okay? Go check that out. Now, last but not least, multiplier. The multiplier as a normal FERS federal employee is only one of two things. It's either 1% or 1.1. Long story short, I'm not going to go into the weeds. Long story short, the way to get this 10% increase to what your pension is going to be is you have to retire at age 62 or later with at least 20 years of service. Okay, If you retire at 61 and 40 years of service, you're not going to get it. You have to be at least 62 with at least 20 years of service, okay? If you meet those criteria, boom, you get a 10% bonus to your pension. If you don't meet that, meet that criteria, it doesn't matter what, your, your multiplier is going to be 1%. Now, if you're special provisions, um, if you're, let's say, firefighter, border patrol, law enforcement, you folks, of course, you're, you know your multiplier is different. It's different rules for you, okay? Um, but for the normal, traditional FERS, your multiplier is either 1% or one percent Okay, to get the 1.1, you have to hit the 62 and 20. Okay, now I know this is a mess. If you want to know actually how to calculate your pension, not like I said, these are the things that go into it, but how is it calculated? I got a great video back on my website about how to calculate your first pension. Again, go back to my website, hawsfederaladvisors.com. You can search through all different topics of articles that I talked about. Um, there is a way to do it at the, at the top of the website to find the topics that are most relevant to you and to get the most out of them for you, okay? Check that out. And it'll go through exactly how this is calculated so you know what kind of an impact um, changing any one of these might make for you, okay? But again, increasing any of these will increase your pension. Now, 
Obviously, the longer you work, the higher your salary, the bigger your pension is going to be. However, there comes a point for all of us where enough is enough, where you say, hey, look, the income I'm going to have in retirement is enough for me that I want to be done. I want to be done. And I don't know when you're going to hit that point, but hopefully by the time emotionally you hit that point, that your finances are there as well. And that's what this channel is all about, making sure your finances are there when you're ready to be done. Okay. So, so far we've talked about increase what goes in. Okay, what goes into creating a strong pension, right? But now let's talk about decreasing what goes out. So if you didn't know, your pension actually has tons of things that come out of it before you actually see a dime, okay? Let's talk through it. Number one, number one, survivor benefits, okay? Survivor benefits is if you're married, if you want your spouse to be left with any of your pension if you die first, you have to pay for that, okay? Long story short, this is a summarized version. If you want them to get 50% of your pension, if you die first, it's going to cost you 10% of your pension while you're both alive, okay? If you want them to get 25% of your pension, it's going to cost you 5% of your pension while you're both alive. Now, you don't have to elect any of this. You can just pick 0% and they won't get anything, right? But if you elect that, they will not be able to keep your, they won't be able to stay on your FEHB, okay, into retirement. I'm not sure why that's connected, but the government is connected, Okay. Um, if they don't have a survivor benefit, if you die first, they cannot stay on your health insurance. Okay, if they don't have a survivor benefit from you. So long story short, if you need a survivor benefit, by all means, please, please, please elect one. Okay, please, please, please elect one to make sure your spouse is going to be taken care of. However, however, if you don't need the full, you may not want to elect it. It's expensive. It does cost quite a bit of money. So I'm not saying don't take it just because I said that. I'm saying, no, please be critical. And don't just take it because you think you should. Do the math, right? Think, okay, think through it and say, if I was to die, right? I know it, it sounds morbid, but I'm a financial planner. I'm just used to it by this point, right? Um, but if I was to die, what income is my spouse going to be left with? And if my spouse dies, what income am I going to be left with? If you look at those scenarios, you could say, okay, what amount of survivor benefit would do the job to make sure I or them are going to be taken care of, right? And if you could say, hey, look, um, they need the health insurance, so I'll let the lower survivor benefit. It's going to cost less money, and we're both going to be fine. Then great, right? Just be critical about this. You don't want to just accept anything for a fact until you actually run the numbers for you and make sure it makes sense, okay? That's the first thing that comes out of your, your pension is survivor benefits. And if you don't need it, you don't have to elect it, okay? You don't have to elect it if you don't need it. But if you need it, please, 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 please elect it, Okay. The next things that, that are going to come out are things like FEHB. It's going to be your insurance, right? FEHB, Begley, your life insurance, dental, vision, long-term care, all of those insurances, okay? And you want to be critical with this sort of thing. You don't want to stay on a health insurance plan that you've just been on for the last 30 years because that's just what you picked initially and you've never changed. You want to be critical and say, okay, is this the best bang for my buck? Is, am I getting the most value I can? What kind of plan do I need? If you start thinking through these critical issues, you can save yourself thousands of dollars just by saying, I just could switch to a plan that's more cost effective for me, that'll meet my needs better at a lower cost, right? You definitely want to think these things, these things through. Now, when it comes to life insurance, Fagley, again, that's another thing. How much do you need? It's kind of like survivor benefits. If you were to pass away, then what will your spouse be left with? What will your kids? What, what sort of things do you want to make sure are planned for? something happened to you. And most people I work with, as they get closer to retirement or in retirement, the need for life insurance normally really goes down. 
There's exceptions, certainly, but generally speaking, the need normally goes down. As kids are um, not no longer dependents, as mortgages are paid off, there's just way less need. So be critical about it. Do you need it? If you don't need it, don't pay for it unless you want it, right? But most people keep something because they just are scared and they haven't actually thought through it. Don't be scared. Don't let fear choose what decisions are you're going to make. And if so, you're going to be paying way more money than you need to, okay? Um, same for dental vision. Do you need them? Is it something? I'm not saying get rid of everything. I'm saying be critical about it. If you need it, great. If it's helpful for you, great. Just think through it and make your own decision. Same for long-term care insurance. Do you need it? I've got a whole video on that, so definitely check that out as well. One of the last things that comes out is taxes, okay? Oh, I don't want to move my face. Um, taxes. So I've got tons of videos on keeping your taxes down in retirement, and all these things, all the things I talked about in this that you could definitely go check out are going to keep your taxes down, which will lower how much taxes is going to come out of your pension, okay? The lower your tax bracket, the less money is going to have to come out of your pension, okay? So again... I know we talked about, this has been a ton of stuff here in this video, but long story short, you want to make sure you're being conscious and deliberate about all of these things. You that you know exactly what goes into your pension, you know exactly what goes out, and you are making the best decision to get the most money you possibly can. You've worked, so, I've, I talked to so many federal employees, and federal employees as a group, you guys are amazing, right? You put in decades of your life for to, you know, in, in the service of the country, and you just put so much in, you want to make sure you get the benefits that you are owed and that you get the most out of them, okay? And that's what this channel is all about. If you want to learn more, there's tons of links and helpful things in the description below um, to help you get there. So I hope that's helpful. Have an incredible rest of your day, and I'll see you guys next time.